Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of All Football with Azul Across America, College and Pro Football, episode number four, and it was easier to get through these batch of games based on the time slots. Uh, the top seeds play some lower-ranked teams this week, and it's really nothing to talk about, but I will kind of briefly go through that a little bit later towards the end of the college football segment before I get to the NFL. But the big game... I was looking at, and I think pretty much most of the country, and especially in the Pac-12, was Oregon and Washington. What I did not realize was these were two teams. Uh, we know they play historically for 100 years, but never for the first time uh, in the top 10. Uh, Oregon ranked number eight, Washington ranked number seven, both having phenomenal years thus far in the Pac-12. And this was the game to watch at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. That would be 12.30 on the West Coast in Seattle, Washington, on the University of Washington's campus. It, it featured two pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, Bo Nix, who was a former quarterback at Auburn University, who transferred two seasons ago and played for the Oregon Ducks last year. And you got Michael Penix Jr., who's having a phenomenal Heisman Trophy-like season thus far this year. And they did not disappoint uh, in this game. So in this game, the start of it was with the Washington Huskies office going right down the field for a touchdown. Uh, Oregon response with a touchdown as well. Uh, with Oregon going with the two-point conversion uh, on that on their first drive uh, after the Bucky Irvin touchdown, after Michael Penix had found Giles Jackson and they went up seven nothing, and Oregon responded with a, a responded t- touchdown and a two-point conversion uh, to the tight end Patrick Herbert. Uh, Michael Penix had another touchdown in that first quarter to Lynn Polk, uh, so they ended up with a fourteen to eight lead after the first quarter. Very good played offensively game from both teams. Uh, the defenses were going to kind of have to try to hold up, bend, but definitely do not break. Uh, uh, Bonix played a hell of a second quarter as well. He had another uh, touchdown pass this time to the tight end Patrick Herbert, where in a play where Washington defense left uh, the tight end wide open. Uh, didn't expect him to break out uh, on his route, and, and the coverage did not sink his way. Uh, Oregon took the lead 15-14 to 14, uh, early in the second quarter. But Washington, in, that very, in the very next possession, responded right down the field, ended up with a touchdown run by Dylan Johnson. Uh, he kind of ran to the outside, made his break, and, and had enough speed to get out of the uh, safety's angle to convert on the score. And they ended up getting a two point conversion to go up to 22 to 15. Uh, Camden Lewis uh, cut the lead uh, later in the, um, the, uh, the second quarter to 22 to 18 with a field goal. Now he comes into play later and I'll get to that, but uh, right before the half uh, Oregon wanted to uh, go for a touchdown to take the lead at the end of the second quarter. So, Late in the second quarter, under 30 seconds, uh, Bo Nix, uh, there was a couple of attempts where he threw a pass. It was an incomplete to Holden. Uh, he did end up completing a pass to Ted Johnson with like 15 seconds left in, uh, in the quarter to second, set up a second and 10. Uh, but then the next play, uh, he, there was an incomplete pass to stop the clock at 10 seconds. It was third and three. To, he, Oregon probably was looking at it like, hey, they were playing an analytical game or whatever you want to call it, playing a analytical game. And so they sh- maybe could have cut the lead, the, you know, by kicking the field goal, but they opted to go for a touchdown in the end zone. And 
on the fourth and down, he ro- he did a rollout on fourth and three. He tried to get a pass to uh to the uh to Bucky Irvin, and it was knocked down uh, in the end zone. And with Oregon having the opportunity to cut the lead into Washington, but they did not convert. So it was a was a 22-18 halftime lead. And starting with the third quarter, Washington. It was Washington's. Well, it was kind of split in half. I would say Washington. Uh, took control in the first half of the third quarter with Oregon taking this control of the second half of the third quarter. So basically, after the 22-18 halftime lead by Washington, uh, Penix had a touchdown pass to Delonze for 17 yards to go up 28-18, to or 29-18 with the extra point, of course. But uh, at, at that point, you know, Washington was doing well. They controlled the, the pace of the offense. They were going up and down the field. They For the first half of that quarter, it was all Washington. It felt like Washington was going to blow out Oregon, but Oregon made some defensive stops, uh, forced a, a, a punt uh, and, and a turnover. And then late in the third quarter, uh, Oregon cut into uh, into the league with Bo Nix with a touchdown pass to Tony Franklin. I mean, I mean, Detroit Franklin for like a big thirty yard touchdown pass. It was like for twenty nine to eighteen to twenty nine to twenty four, something like that. And I think they converted on that two point conversion. So that's why that uh, not going for the field goal attempt at the end of the second quarter was kind of huge. Now, if you believe in the six degrees of separation, butterfly effect, maybe that may not have happened. But because you did not go for the field goal at the end of the second quarter, now you have to play catch up with your points. And that's the only thing or the main thing I kind of do not like when it comes to the analytical game. But continue on to the fourth quarter. Um, Oregon down 29 to 26. Uh, they ended up taking the lead. Uh, thir- a 10-yard run. Jordan James with a touchdown early in the fourth quarter. And then that's where, the, you know, the back and forth started, you know, they continued. And uh, Penix Jr. had another touchdown pass to Adonis. They, they had a big game statistically. Uh, so Washington took the lead to go up uh, 35 to 33 late in the fourth quarter after Oregon um, was not able to convert on that third down. Let me get into that, what happened with that. Yeah, let me let me let me back up a little bit because I'm missing some key points. Because before Washington had to go ahead touchdown late. The sequence where Oregon, about three minutes left in the game, after they called the timeout, it was a third and four, three minutes left in the game. Uh, Bonix did hit uh, Franklin with a big pass, or like a 25-yard gain to take the, you know, make a first down. Um, you know, they got the second, second first down, didn't have, nothing happened on that play. Second down, there was a, a rushing attempt. Big game for eight yards to cut it to third and two. Washington takes the timeout, right? So Oregon had a chance to really put this game away, and they did not because they went with another rush in the tip, and Washington snuffed it out. Uh, I think Jordan James tried to go uh, up the middle, and they they got stopped. They got tackled by Alley from um, from Washington, and Washington took the timeout to save some time on the clock. It gave Washington a lot of life, and um, what they they – they should have maybe punted, and I don't think they had confidence in their defense. So fourth and three at midfield, basically, <laughs> these motherfuckers go for it. Oregon went for it, <laughs> and they did not convert. And instead of punting the ball with the lead and pinning the team back, going probably all the way, like, wait, let's say you have a good punt at midfield. Let's say a 40-something-yard punt. You pin them in the 20. You make them go 
at least 85 to 90 yards with under two minutes. That that you have more of a chance that way than giving a team with that potent of an offense on their home turf to go only 50 yards. So Bo Nix, after the, the Washington timeout, they go on for fourth and three. Uh, Nix tries to complete it to uh, to Tess Johnson and incomplete, and you gave him half the fucking field with like two minutes, like a little over two minutes left. It was stupid what Oregon was doing. So with like a little over two minutes to go, I mean, you got literally a Heisman Trophy candidate in Michael Penix uh, at the helm on his home field. Uh, I mean, they they just went right down the field in like a matter of like 30 seconds. They had a 35-yard pass to Lynn Polk. And then on the very next play, like with a minute and like 40-something left in the game, right on the Oregon's uh, 18-yard line, Penix found another touchdown pass to Ndunze, man, Roman Ndunze, to take the 35-33 to lead and make it 36-33. to So Oregon made mistakes chasing points at halftime, and they made mistakes uh, going for it when they shouldn't have, man. And then, then the usage of the timeouts in the fourth quarter was all, it was just a whole coaching fuck up from them, man. They, they should have won this game, honestly. I, I really believe they should have won the game, man. Cause, um, they, I thought Washington came out pumped, home field, top two, you know, t- tens, teams and whatever. And the way Oregon responded, especially in the first half, I, I thought they put, and especially in the third quarter as well. I thought they had momentum swings. They they literally gave back to Washington. It, it, it just made no sense to what Oregon was trying to outsight what they do, trying to play the analytical game. You know, they, they, this is why some of these teams, you can get your coaches fired this way. So anyway, with the 36-33 lead, uh, Oregon gets the ball last, and they do go right down the field. Uh Couple of passes to Bucky Irvin from Bo Nix, and there was a pass to uh, Terry Ferguson. You know, he tried to, I don't know if he was trying to fake a knee injury. I don't know if you guys saw this in the game. You got to go back and watch the highlights and you see what I'm talking about. Because he catches the ball to tight uh, uh, Ferguson, and then he goes down, right? First, he starts to grab one knee, and then as he goes down, he grabs the other knee as if he's portraying a faking in a knee injury. So I would have to probably go see what the diagnosis was or the MRI was after the game or what happened because that was weird. You look like you was going to grab one and you end up grabbing another. Weird shit that was going on and they had to call a timeout on the field and prevent the second runoff or whatever. Um, a couple of, After a couple of incomplete passes by Bo Nix, he tried to hit uh, Jordan James and I think uh, Treshawn Holden. It sets up, um, I guess you could say, a 42, 43-yard field goal by Camden Lewis. Uh, this is a bad spot by um, the Oregon team in a sense because you're on the road and you got to try to tie a game. And he misses it. He pushes it wide, wide right, and Washington wins the game for 36-33. Washington should not have won this game. Oregon had made plays en- enough plays for a road team to win this game. And now Washington is in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 after what happened with Washington State, what happened to UCLA, what happened to Oregon. And, you know, the USC game as well. You know what I'm saying? So good win by the Washington Huskies. Uh, well, that was a very fun crowd, the, uh, the energetic crowd. Very good offensive play game by both teams, by the way. Now, with the next game, <laughs> man, talk about a tide of turning or yeah, a, a, a state of two teams. I literally wrote out the Notre Dame fighting Irish from the national championship picture last week. And I still do. You know, don't get that twisted. I mean, they're out, man. Like, however, 
Uh, they're bringing Southern California, the USC Trojans, somewhat with them with a dragon, a dragon, a dragon of a beatdown in South Bend, Indiana. Now, 48 to 20. They made Caleb Williams look silly. The, the reigning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Caleb Williams, the Lincoln uh, Riley office ran Caleb Williams office. The high power USC Trojans made them look silly. Three interceptions, man. Like just terrible game, man. Terrible game across the board, man. That was probably one of his worst games as a as a Trojan. I mean, we're not gonna count the backup role he was in Oklahoma a couple of seasons ago. But Caleb Williams um, looked very normal. Um, I don't know if it's going to put a hit on his NFL stock, but the game tape is out there because of his limiter statue of height. Uh, that's always going to be a knock on shorter quarterbacks for the obvious reasons because of, you know, looking over off- offensive lines and have to overcome your height deficiency. They throw the ball down the field, but they're going to look at this game tape. The scouts are going to say, damn, well, you know, we all know the stat padding you did last season to get you the Heisman Trophy winner. You know, you, they're going to say, oh, you didn't play nobody. And since they really didn't play nobody because the big games when they played last year, when they played Utah, they lost to Utah when, when the games mattered. So in a game where Notre Dame has played a lot of big games, you know, Ohio State's, you know, um, the Louisville's losing, losing to them. Um, Notre Dame kind of makes up for it, but I don't you know. They, they still have a long ways to go. But as far as the, st- the case of USC, uh, it, it was a dragon, man. It was a pretty much a, what, a 24 to 6 game at halftime. Even when in the third quarter, when uh, USC cut the lead with a touchdown, it was pretty much consistent scoring from Notre Dame throughout the entire game. Um, you know, you're going to get a rushing attack from Notre Dame. Esteem got a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Tyree got a touchdown pass, a, a reception. Um, a pure dominated game. There's really no ways around it. Um, defensively, uh, Notre Dame made plays. Uh, they kept USC under 200 yards passing, kept them just a tad bit over 100 yards rushing. That was a well-played uh, game uh, by Notre Dame. It was really a bend versus break type of game um Notre Dame offensively offensively really didn't really do nothing spectacular but what they did do was cause two fumble losses uh they what USC had five turnovers two they lost two uh two balls fumbling the ball and they also had uh three interceptions uh that they recovered Notre Dame so that pretty much uh, and then, then then that's just that and they also they got to the quarterback. They got to Caleb Williams pr- pr- all night long. Well, you know, six times on, on Sunday. So defensively, Notre Dame won that game. USC, um, non-conference game, you know, when it comes to the Pac-12 purposes, obviously, nothing to be upset for when it comes to a division or, I mean, a conference uh, game. But as far as tele- uh, uh, national landscape, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a bad look for Southern California. I'm not going to go into the weeds of all that because it is, that was pretty much the game. Uh, the defense of Notre Dame dominated. The fumbles, the interceptions, uh, and then also the sacks. And uh, Southern California, uh, they got out to bounce back from that game. Uh, that, that's their only silver lining I can think of was they didn't, you know, it was within. It was not within the Pac-12. They have a huge game versus Utah at home. I mean that that's a big game, man. Uh, because the Pac-12 to me has shaped up 
pretty well outside of the Washington State loss, and I'll get to that on, on my surprises. Uh, USC's got to play a very defensive-minded Utah. Utah's better defensively than Notre Dame this year. They are. Um, so they're going to – that's again next week at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, they still got to play <laughs> – USC still got to play Washington – when I just talk about being Oregon, luckily for them, that's a home game. And then they got the very next week, they got to go to Oregon and then they got UCLA. That's a tough stretch. They got off to a bad stretch, um, uh, beating, uh, well, losing to Notre Dame. They just got by, got by Arizona who smoked Washington state. So I don't know what the hell's going on with Arizona. I, it's, they're really hard to read, but, uh, wow. So Caleb Williams is right back down to earth, and they're, they're going to have those questions when it comes to his pro status. They're going to look at this game and say, bruh, what happened, man? What happened? The other game uh, Saturday night that kind of went where I thought it would have went was the North Carolina game, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels versus the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, it's a new day in college football when <laughs> North Carolina is beating Miami in football, that's not what I'm used to. We're, we're all used to Miami being the football school, North, North Carolina being the basketball school. But for this one season and one season only, North Carolina is putting on a good show with Drake May and company with Matt Brown in his office in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, North Kakalaki. Uh Back and forth game. Uh, North, North Carolina opens the game uh, on their second drive, getting the touchdown. Uh, Drake May had a, a touchdown pass to, to uh, Devontae Walker. Uh, Miami actually took the lead in this game in the second quarter. They actually had a lead at halftime. Nice back and forth flow of the game. And Miami, you, you could, probably could call their game last week to Georgia Tech a trap game, losing to Georgia Tech. Uh, but, they, you know, losing two in a row in the ACC, no bueno for the Hurricanes. No bueno. But North Carolina really took control of this game after halftime. They really poured it on, doubling up their half. They went from a, a, a deficit at halftime to taking a, a, a multiple score lead by the end of the third quarter. Uh, there was another t- touchdown pass, you know, by uh, Drake made a Devontae Walker to, out of the half to take the lead. They had a, a they Drake May had another touchdown pass later on midway through the third quarter, a 33-yard touchdown pass. Uh, the offense was clicking, man, and then Amari Mar- Hampton got a touchdown. So by the end of the third quarter, it was 35-17. That was pretty much the ball game at that point. So Notre Dame – I'm not Notre Dame. North Carolina, kind of like when they beat South Carolina in the first game of the year, they, they took control. They're a very good team, or it seems like they're a very good team, Adjusting at the halftime, they, the office starts to click, man. So Drake May had a very excellent, excellent game. They put up a lot of offense, and then Miami just could not catch up. They tried to cut into the lead in the fourth quarter, but too much of a lead when North Carolina is still tacking on points uh, with you know a couple of field goals by the kicker by North Carolina. So North Carolina remains undefeated. Miami loses two in a row in the ACC. Uh, it, it would have been better for Miami had they beat Georgia Tech, but for the fact they lost back-to-back games, and now you also know the factor with Louisville losing to Pittsburgh, and I'll talk about that in my no surprise, uh, uh my surprises segment, as well as um, uh, uh, um, Florida State continues to win. Obviously, with the situation with Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman down in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, it's pretty much to me right now it's, it's a North Carolina. 
Florida State Conference this year. From what I've seen, pretty fucking good teams, if you ask me. Um, I thought Louisville, well, Louisville probably could still have be in it, but they had a big letdown versus Pittsburgh. So that goes to uh, my no surprises. So all the top teams played in, in the earlier slot on Saturday. So the only surprise from the Georgia Vanderbilt game was the fact <laughs> was the fact that Vanderbilt had a seven nothing lead. I was actually shocked. Like that should even had happened against the Bulldogs. You know what I'm saying? Because Vanderbilt's not a good school at all. I got all, you watching this game. They got everything's under construction: the roster, the coaching, that just rebuilding that program, even in rebuilding the stands, the stadium. You can see the under the construction in one, on one side of the end zone in Nashville. Uh, Georgia wins this game 37 to 20. No surprise there. Georgia uh, uh, still undefeated. Vanderbilt, one of the worst teams in the SEC. So that's not surprising. Um, Alabama ousting Arkansas 24 to 21. You know, we have to get comfortable in saying that Alabama is not the potent Alabama team we're used to. And I said it a couple of episodes ago. Same thing with Clemson. It's a new day or the, the day has changed where Alabama is no longer the dominant force we are used or accustomed to until they get their asses in that transfer portal. Uh, it's a good team still, a team that probably could still win the SEC West, but they're not dominant like Alabama dominant like we know Alabama to be. They should not. Arkansas had no business keeping the shit close in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama pulling away and winning by three. Um, they'll have troubles with the LSUs. And then I was that's just, this is the reason why a couple of episodes, I was just surprised that Ole Miss did not beat Alabama because Alabama's a wounded animal. I said this multiple times. They're a wounded animal. But um, no surprise there. Ohio State destroys Purdue uh, 41-7, which sets up the game of next week. That's the game we're all going to see. We saw Penn State smoke Massachusetts, an A-10 team. So that was just a... A, a, a warm-up, tune-up game for what Penn State needs more than anything in life is to beat Ohio State finally. Ohio State, Penn State next week. Penn State, get, they need that game more than Ohio State because Ohio State can, has controlled that rivalry for a long time. Uh, it, it really means more, to me, a barometer game for Penn State more than anything. So Ohio State dominates Purdue. Nothing really worth to talk about. They're no, no different than Michigan rolling over Indiana fifty-two to seven. No, no, no surprises. Pretty much with the top team or the top ranked teams in the country. But what was surprising? Again, now I've been kind of trying to sip the Washington State Cougars Kool Aid with Cam Ward and their offense. And man, I'm off that train. I'm, I'm, I'm. The train is on fire. I'm jumping off that shit. It's a runaway train at this point. Out there in Eastern Washington. They had no business losing 44-6 at home in Arizona. I know what Arizona forced multiple overtimes against uh, USC. And, nah, man. Nah, this should not have happened. Washington State should have won this game. And and, and I'm very disappointed trying to buy in to some Washington uh, State Cougar stock. Uh, stock. Uh, Arizona dominated shit top to bottom, point blank. And, and you could just write off the Washington State Cougar. They're, they're done. They're cooked, man. They're finished, man. It's, it's, it's a wrap, man. Uh, anything I thought what I would have saw between the state rivalry between Washington State and Washington later this year, you, you can forget about that. That shit is over, man. It, that, it's a wrap. Pac-12 conference championship-wise, forget them. They're done. They're done. Washington State is done, man. They're, they're fucked. Um, 
Same thing. Same thing in the SEC. Uh, SEC East with Kentucky. Any stock you thought you were buying with Kentucky after you know you thought getting smoked by Georgia last week and and losing the week before that, uh, they're done too. Missouri should not have beat Kentucky in Lexington. That, that should not have that should not have happened. Man. And Missouri's an okay team. I know they blew the lead last week to LSU. Uh, but nah, man. Any anybody buying Kentucky's uh football stock this season, you uh, you know, you're getting fleeced, you're getting finessed, you're getting you're getting fucked, man. Um, that should not happen. And I was talking about it earlier after a big win at home versus uh Notre Dame last week in Louisville. Louisville goes to Pittsburgh and loses uh 28-21. Get gets outplayed by the by the uh by the by the Panthers, man. I, I'm done, man. So. Those were my surprises, man. And I'm glad I didn't really take the bets on on the wager side. I didn't really force a lot of bets with these games. But I'm totally done with Washington State. I'm done with Kentucky. I'm done. Um, I'm not going to say I'm done with Louisville, but I'm really surprised that they lost, man. So it sets up the big games next week. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to Ohio State-Penn State. That's the game. That is definitely the game. Um, You know, if I had to make a prediction, right? I'm thinking about it right now. So let's speak to you guys. If I had to make a prediction, who would I fucking go with? It, it should be Penn State's time, man. It should, like Ohio State. You know what? I'm going to go out and still say Ohio State fucking finds a way. I don't know how. I don't know why. It just It's like a hex or a curse of uh, voodoo. Ohio State voodoo on Penn State. This, I'll go and head and say... Uh, Ohio State somehow finds a way to beat Penn State. We'll find that out, man. Because this goes back to when a couple of years ago when I went to uh, Penn Station for that whiteout game. I mean, this was years ago at this point. Uh, years ago. And Penn State had a good team. And Dwayne Haskins, at the time for the Ohio State quarterback, ended up beating them. And that was really disappointing for Penn State. So maybe they continue this on, man. So that's it from the college football side. I'll, I'll, I'll transition on to the NFL pro football. Uh, no, nah, let me take that back. Before we get into the NFL, let me go one more thing. There's one thing I forgot. There was another game on Friday. Uh, Colorado with a big lead. Was it 26-0 and blowing that lead to Stanford and losing in overtime? Listen, we, I've said it all season. The Colorado defense stinks. Uh, they're going to have to get uh, guys from the transfer portal and recruits to build up that Colorado defense. Offensively, they're fine. And they could be actually a little bit better, actually as good as they are or have been. They'll be even better next year, but they got to get that defense better. The defense stinks. We saw that week one versus TCU. We see it all year, Colorado State, Nebraska. Uh, well, the Nebraska game, maybe not so as much, but definitely the other games around it. Oregon, they got smoked by Oregon. Colorado defense thing, and that's really – the. I mean, they've been the talk of the college football landscape nationally, obviously because of Deion Sanders, but the defense stinks. We all know this by now. You should have known this by the, uh, the TCU game after week one in Fort Worth, Texas. And then on to another London game. Another London game. Another London game. Another London game. So this time, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans squared off in London, England. I mean, so many fucking London games. You heard me talk about this in the past. But anyway, uh, Baltimore, wire to wire win. It didn't seem like Tennessee was a real viable threat, even when they cut the lead the 18 to 13 in the third quarter, but Baltimore um, never saw a threat. They never lost the lead in this game. They, they led tied, but never lost the lead in this game. 
Um, Zay Flowers had a big day for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Andrews had a productive day with key catches, conversion of first downs. This was a game Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and um, Malik uh, Willis came into the game. So he looked lost, especially on that last drive where no pocket presence, awareness, uh, taking sacks. It was ugly to watch, man. It was really ugly to watch. And the, and the fact that you got a Derrick Henry and a DeAndre Hopkins in your offense and you still have a quarterback sitting back for another season, his second season, and really should have been digesting the playbook or the should be ready to take the field at this point. And you knew they were toast once Ty- Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Um, when Baltimore... Uh, they had turnovers at the end of, I mean, not Baltimore, uh, Tennessee had a turnover at the end of the first half that prevented them to get points. It almost sounds like I was talking about the Oregon and uh, Washington game. It's the same situation at the end of the second quarter with them. But, um, yeah, you know, Justin Tucker, just like in some of these other games, tacking on points, uh, uh, multiple field goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, the 24-13, but the, 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 uh, the Titans couldn't get anything closer than that. Uh, so Baltimore needed that win. I know they've had some bad losses this year. Uh, talked about that in the last episode, but they go over to London and get a win. And, and when I think, you know what the thing is, man? Like, I, I'm old enough, and a lot of people who listen to our platform is old enough. We remember a lot of the Baltimore Titan, uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titan rivalry, especially in the early 2000s when he had Steve McNair on the Titans, Eddie George. On, 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 on the Ravens side, you had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, you know what I'm saying, Tony Siragusa. So I really miss those those matchups when they used to play all the time. Now it used to be a fun rival to watch week in and week out. Uh, but totally different cast of guys. And um, Tennessee... Uh, Struggles to get points. Um, and, you know, they they got a good win, man. Uh, nice play today by Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know he had the one pick, but uh, as far as combined yards, close to 300 yards, rushing and passing. Uh, Zay Flowers with a, with a touchdown. I saw a couple, a couple of plays they kind of left on the field, but they just had enough to get past the Titans. Uh, the Titans, man, whew, man, they're in bad shape, man. They lost two in a row. Um, Indianapolis the previous week, and then yeah, I guess this is a pseudo road game being a neutral site where both of these teams are on neutral sites. But it was considered a home game for the Titans. Um, they got, I think, the Falcons next at home. Um, and so they had the bye week. So the Titans got to find themselves, man, uh, trying to catch back up in the division. Uh, they definitely have winnable games. Pittsburgh, maybe Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Carolina, Indianapolis, uh, Miami, Houston. I mean, there's some games in there. If they could just piece it together and come with a game plan. There there are some winnable games. But, yeah, um, the Titans drop. I, I think this is a key one because if you're talking AFC South or you're talking about staying in the, in the playoff hunt, you kind of want to have that game, especially against a French team like Baltimore who's kind of in the same position as well. In the uh, Commanders at the Falcons game, uh, the Commanders win 24-16. A uh, lot of their damage in the, uh, of the Commanders came in the second quarter. They were down 7-3, to three, a couple of touchdown passes by Sam Howell, 
Uh, one to the running back, Antonio Gibson on the goal line. And then there was another one to Curtis Samuel. Um, they took a 17-7 lead. They never really looked back from that. Uh, the Falcons are going to be a team that's going to struggle this year. We all know that. There's no surprise. There was the commanders. They needed this game uh, to really compete in the NFC conference for a, a playoff spot. They can't drop games to the uh, Falcons. Don't want to lose or uh, say too much on this game because it was kind of a drag. Um, the Falcons never really showed no, any fight at home. Game was over real quick. And then out in the midway, out in Chicago on Lakeshore Drive, man. Chicago falls again, y'all. This time to the Minnesota Vikings, the, the Purple Eaters. What they call it? The Purple People Eaters or something like that? Uh, <laughs> you know, the Vikings uh, started off slow like they normally do. Uh, then I saw the touchdown pass to Jordan Addison right before uh, halftime. Uh, that game at that point was tied 6-6. But that touchdown put them up, and then they never looked back. And then it took midway through the third quarter where Justin Fields was already out of the game. The back backup quarterback, uh, uh, Tyson Bajan, got sat uh, for a 10-yard loss. And then there was a fumble, and Jordan Hicks picked up a scoop and score to return it 18-6. to And that was pretty much that game in a nutshell. There was really nothing else to add to that. Um, another win. Or a win for the Minnesota Vikings after coming off the loss to the Chiefs. But Chicago, after the nice win versus the Commanders, 20-point differential win on Thursday night football. Uh, They lost, what, five out of six? Uh, So, a key division loss to Minnesota. Uh, I think that's all they... Oh, they did lose to Green Bay, didn't they? They lost to Green Bay at home. So, they're two division losses. Uh, they got the Chargers and, and the uh, Raiders back-to-back in next week. I can't remember the order, but the Bears, man, you already know. Uh, they're one of those teams in the, in the, in the, in the league that's just got to find its way with the roster that they have built. The other game, oh, man, this was actually a high game uh, in the middle of it, Seattle and Cincinnati. Uh, in the first quarter, uh, Kenneth Walker got a touchdown for the Seahawks to go up seven to nothing. Uh, Burrow did respond with a pass to or touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd to tie it up at seven, and then also he found another. He had another touchdown pass at the start of the second quarter uh, to go up fourteen to seven. I think uh, Seattle had a field goal. Yeah, they had a field goal uh, to make it fourteen ten at half. Uh, then it was 14-13 by, you know, late in the third quarter. Uh, uh, Jason Myers knocked that in the field goal. So going into the fourth quarter, uh, it was really an insurance field goal or insurance points by Cincinnati. Uh, they go up 17-13. to But to get to the bottom of what happened to Seattle's fate, uh, the last drive of the game, uh, Geno, uh, they had a long uh, – uh, a first and 10 on the Cincinnati 11 with 55 seconds left. Uh, didn't get you know, had incomplete. Uh, then I think a rushing attempt by Kenneth Walker. Uh, then on third down and eight, Geno had a DK Metcalf. It was incomplete. They didn't call PI or they were trying to get something called on the field, but the, the flag, there was no flags. There was back to back timeouts by both teams. And then on fourth down and eight, a pass attempt to DK Metcalf was not found or it was incomplete, and that was pretty much the game. 
So Cincinnati uh, defeats the Seattle Seahawks 17-13. Uh, nice win for the Bengals, two in a row, because they had a nice win last week in Arizona uh, in the West Coast game. And then Seattle, you know, they um, – you know they they were they had a three win what three game win streak right they had beat Detroit they were in Detroit they beat Carolina beat the Giants so Seattle um, had three in a row they got I think they got Arizona next Cleveland next Baltimore I can't remember which who was home or where don't have the schedule in front of me but uh, good win by the Cincinnati Bengals for two in a row they were able to stop Geno Smith and they just took a knee and and won that game. And then also the greatest show on turf, I guess you could call it that, right? Uh, or 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 uh, grass or whatever kind of field they play on in Miami, where it, you, you got to make things challenging for Miami. Um, they had the bad loss versus Buffalo, but they beat up on the Giants last week, right? And then they were down fourteen nothing, surprisingly to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I saw Thielen get a touchdown. I don't remember how else they got the other touchdown, but they were down fourteen to nothing, right? But listen, Miami, you already knew it was about a matter of time. As long as these guys stay healthy, they could put up historical offensive numbers with the best of the teams in recent memory in the last 25 years. I mean, they have weapons everywhere, speed everywhere. Uh, I said I saw Raheem Mostart get a touchdown. It was a good design play where he caught the ball out of the flat, and then there was a setup block on the wide receiver for him to get easily into the end zone. Waddle got another touchdown after that. So, after being down 14 <laughs> nothing, Miami scored 35 unanswered, man, with ease. They got, it was just, you know, they had a pick six in there in the fourth quarter. They had, uh, you could get Office out of Mostar, uh, uh, Cheney. You get Tyreek Hill, who he had a touchdown before halftime and did the backflip in the end zone. I mean, these guys are fun to watch, man. They, they're, they're a video game. They're, really, they're literally a video game, man. Uh, Miami does what Miami does and puts up 30-plus points in a win, and Carolina's still trying to seek their first win of the year. They haven't won yet, right? They haven't won in preseason. They haven't won in the regular season. They're do, they're about to get the number one pick, right? They you know they already got Bryce Young drafted. They, they're they work in progress. It's going to take time, man. That's a, that's a whole thing. They're going to have to rebuild, rebuild that thing, rebuild that thing, rebuild that thing, rebuild that thing in Charlotte, North Carolina, man. Uh, Houston defeated the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Derek Carr came back. He stat-padded his way in this game, tried to make a miraculous comeback, but came short. Uh, C.J. Stroud didn't really wow you with the numbers, but he made key plays. He had a Dalton Schultz touchdown pass. He had a pass to, uh, 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 what's his name, Robert Woods, the long-time wide receiver from the Rams and the Bills. They were never really threatened. Uh, New Orleans coming off that big 34-0 win in New Orleans. They dropped the, the regional game in the South. And that's kind of somewhat of a big game, right? Because a lot of people a lot of people who do kind of know this, uh, Houston have a lot of New Orleans people since Katrina. So they kind of take that game personally. I know it's like a four or five hour drive between New Orleans and Houston. So that's somewhat of a big game uh, down there uh, regionally. It is collegially for sure, but on a pro level, uh, you have a lot of people in Houston who are from New Orleans. And, you know, New Orleans people are prideful people. They love their Saints. But they fell short today, or they fell short yesterday, um, versus the Houston Texans. And then the other game, uh, Jacksonville. No, I mean, listen, I I, I saved this game last for uh, on the one p.m. games, right? Uh, Jacksonville 
just dominated this game uh, from top to bottom. Indianapolis was never in this game. The only thing Indianapolis pretty much has going, I mean, if you want to say the uh, new contract by Jonathan Taylor, I mean, Matt Gay is probably the best kicker this season in the NFL. But Jacksonville beats them again the second time they met, and they beat them again on this this time in their home turf. Uh, NTN, had a couple of touchdowns. Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence found a touchdown pass to Christian Kirk. I mean, they were up 36 in this game. And even if when Indianapolis made a couple of scores to try to make this a game, they got insurance points out of this where Josh Downs getting a touchdown early in the fourth quarter to go up 32, uh, 31 to 13. I mean, this game was, there was no competition. Like I said, a, the AFC South really should be about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't see the Titans doing it. I don't see the Colts doing it. And I don't necessarily see the Houston Texans doing it. Even though the Houston Texans did go to uh, Jacksonville and get the win earlier this year, but I mean the writing's pretty much on the wall. It's, it's the Jaguars as long as they stay healthy, and, and that's pretty much it. On uh, that game, their division, their divisional makeup, and what they're going to do for the rest of this season, uh, as long as they stay healthy, really. So Jacksonville, and I think it looks like kind of like Houston, Tennessee, Indianapolis in that order. As of right now, probably for the rest of the season in the AFC South. Listen, the game I was paying attention the most was the Browns and the Niners. Now, this game, if you watched from the beginning, right, they had like a pregame uh, scuffle, you could say, on the you know in the field before the game even started. I saw Samuel Debo Samuel get into it with um, a couple of the Brown players, and then Trent Williams came out of nowhere and just just bulldozed the Browns players. But this was a game where the Niners, they let, they went in there healthy and left a wounded animal. This is also a game Deshaun Watson didn't even play. They played with backup uh, quarterback P.J. Walker. Um, listen, this was a very fucking good game, even despite Christian McCaffrey getting hurt in his game. Uh, Debo Samuel got hurt in this game. And at one point, Trent Williams was knocked and hurt in this game. And... Uh, let's, let's just fast forward to all what happened like at the very end. I'm going back to the last drive because that was the drama where the Cleveland could not convert on the fourth down. San Francisco takes the ball over and they had a fourth down for the game and they ended up getting a P.I. on the, on the play. I think it was a play or two later. Brandon Ayu took a, a simple out route and. The Cleveland, uh, I can't even remember the the the, uh, the defender, the defensive back. He took the um, a bad angle, and Hayu, Brandon Ayuk for the um, the Niners made a big gain out of it, huge gain. And then, and then Purdy found, I think it was Jawan Jennings on the uh, the uh, the other wide receiver for a pass, and then. Got into field goal range, deep into field goal range, and the field goal kicker, for whatever reason, I don't know what happened Robbie Gould. I don't know if he retired, if he was still in this shit or whatever. Moody was well within range to win the game, and he pushes the the, the ball right. Niners get their first loss of the year. Uh, just bad, man. Just um, they could have they could have stole that game from Cleveland. Cleveland earned that shit, man. That was that to me. That was a better game up until you know I didn't see you know up until the four o'clock games of the of the weekend at that point. But uh, Cleveland, man, they show some fucking guts, man. They got some good defenses and defensive players, man. Outside of that play, they you know the Brandon Ayuk, you know what I'm saying, not tackling him. 
but uh, good um good win by Cleveland, man. And th- that was a game that they, they made some fuck ups. Uh, Cleveland with the interception. Uh, to uh, uh, it was a PJ walking through a pass. It was a terrible play. He kind of looked off one uh, defender and tried to go back quickly. And, and and Fred Warner picked him off. Almost had a pick six in this game. Uh, Kareem Hunt in the backup role got a touchdown, and, and also uh, Jordan Mason, uh, for the Niners, who was playing backup to uh Christian McCaffrey and and Eli Mitchell. But uh, the special teams came through. Hopkins knocking a couple of fourth quarter field goals to get the lead or cut the lead and take the lead. Niners on that last possession uh, missed the game winning field goal or go ahead field goal to win because there's only like five seconds left. But good win by the Cleveland Browns. My, I would call it. I guess, yeah, I've been saying it all since the start of the year, even before the games played. I said Cleveland has a chance to make the playoffs. And I was assuming if Deshaun Watson played damn near all the games. But uh, good win by the. Cleveland Browns uh, after coming off that bad loss to Baltimore. So uh, I know they got a couple. They got a couple of road games at Indianapolis at Seattle. So we'll see what they do. Yeah. So on to the uh, games at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and beyond. Like Vegas defeated the uh, the Vegas Raiders defeated the New England Patriots. That's the rematch of a, a second year in a row. Uh, Josh McDaniels, the head coach for the Patriots, or I'm sorry, head coach for the Raiders former offensive coordinator for the Patriots all those years under Bill Belichick. They met again on Sunday, and the Raiders pulled it out. Uh, the Raiders controlled the game. They were up 10 and a half. Uh, former New England Patriot Jimmy Garoppolo uh, had a touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers in the first half. He also saw Ezekiel Elliott, a uh, former Cowboy, get a touchdown to cut the lead. Uh, the thirteen to ten, but uh, after a couple of Raider uh, field goals in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, uh, there was a pretty much uh, pulling. There was a pretty much a uh, going away in this game with uh, special teams uh, key stops. Uh, offensively, the last series for New England, they couldn't get anything done. Like for instance, uh, around the two minute warning. Uh, when Matt Jones had the offense, uh, he, he after the pass before the two minute warning. Mor- uh, after the pass before the two minute warning, uh, the reception he had to have the second and four, uh, he had an incomplete pass to Devontae Parker. Uh, then they had to delay a game. Uh, after the two minute warning was committed, a third and twelve situation. Um, the Raiders ended up getting a sack by Nichols. Uh, and Max Crosby, it was a pretty much a combined sack for a four-yard loss to cr- create a third and 15. Uh, but uh, after that, uh, they had nothing else. The, 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 the Raiders were able to run out the clock, and that was all she wrote. Um, and I was watching a little bit, first quarter, and I came back to this later on. Um, the Rams, I expected them to beat the Cardinals. The Rams... Um, they pulled away in this game. Uh, it seemed like it was a close game at first, but the Rams ended up attacking on touchdowns and extending the score in the fourth quarter with twenty six to nine. You know, we we all know the the situation with Arizona. Even though they did beat the Cowboys one week, I mean they're just going to have woes on offense. Uh, just going up against quality teams, they're just going to struggle. 
to stay and fight in games. Uh, one of the big games they had today in the NFC was Detroit at Tampa Bay. And we started seeing a theme where Lion fans are traveling a little bit, huh? We started to see that. We saw that week one in Kansas City where a lot of Lion fans were in the stands. There were a lot of Lion fans in Tampa Bay today. and Or, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, on Sunday. And uh, they didn't disappoint their faithful Lions. The Motown Lions pulled it off, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it really... You know, the Lions had a lead at half by seven, and then they got a big touchdown pass late in the third quarter where Jamison Williams, if you saw that play, right, he kind of turned his head twice looking for a deep ball pass from Jared Goff. He had to turn his head a couple of times on a straight goal route, but he converted the touchdown to make it 17-6, to and then the, uh, the, the Lions added a field goal to go up 20-6, to and they pretty much won that game from that point. And then from there, you know, I hate to see MetLife Stadium covered in green. New York Jet green, Philadelphia Eagle green. That game was a pretty much a close game throughout because the Jets defense kept them in the game with turnovers, interceptions, key sacks. It was a good hit by Jermaine Johnson on Jalen Hurts to force an interception. Um, I saw the refs kind of jerk the refs in the sense of, A.J. Brown, midway through the fourth quarter, caught a ball. It looked like he fell out of bounds when he secured the catch. But the refs, they called the catch on the field, and then I guess they didn't have enough to overturn it. But the red zone offers for the Justice a struggle. Uh, that's not kind of what they thought they were going to get when going into the season because they were betting on Aaron Rodgers. We all know Aaron Rodgers got hurt week one versus Buffalo with the Achilles injury. But the Jets' defense, we knew they were going to keep them in the game. And this game was pretty much a one-score game the majority of the game. The Eagles did get off first. We saw uh, Jalen Hurts get a touchdown uh, late in the first quarter, but that was actually, uh, I think it was a series before that, where he had a touchdown, he ended up fumbling in the uh, end zone, and the Jets ended up recovering it. Uh, DeAndre Smith got a touchdown in the game. They were up 10 in this game, but the Jets, uh, they, they fought back with, uh, Greg Zerline field goals to make it 14-6, 14-9. Even in the fourth quarter, the Eagles kicker, who's been always been money, Isaiah Elliott, he missed the field goal when they were up 14-12 midway through the fourth quarter. He missed it, uh, pushed it right, you know, just right of the uh, upright of the, the goalpost. Just took over the football at midfield halfway through the fourth quarter, still down 14-12. Brees Hall been running for his life in this game. I mean, he's been making Barry Sanders-like moves in the, between the tackles, spin moves off of linebackers so they can't hit him full on and getting good yardage. Uh, dive yardage to you know secure or make first downs, uh, but he hasn't had a lot of rushing yards because it seemed like they couldn't even block for him up front. Uh, uh, he just it looked like every yard was a struggle yard in this game for Brees Hall, who's a, a very good running back coming off this ACL injury. But Zach Wilson, we all know the issues with him. Um, he's a backup quarterback. He's not built to beat a team like Philadelphia, but everything's a rollout, check down. Uh, can't really see the field down, you know, you know, can't see the field quickly enough to make reads to get to his key receivers like Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, guys like that. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Alan Lazard, he had a block on this. You know what? Let me, I'm, I'm, let me bring that back up. He had a block in this game. Uh, and I hate that rule. It's some sort of crap back block, whatever you want to call it, where the guy's kind of blindside, but not really hit, leads with the shoulder. 
Lazard had a clean block, and it's, it's things like that. The new rules that it's almost like you can't even play football almost no more, man. But the Jets fought in this game, you know, down one score and uh, trying to get the ball to Garrett Wilson as much as they can on one on one. Uh, uh, defending against like like James Bradbury of the Eagles, AJ Brown has some good catches in this game. Devontae Smith had a couple of good catches in this game. It's been a, a pretty good close game, man. Uh, because of the Jets defense, if they had an office, they probably w- would be winning that game halfway through that fourth quarter. Yeah, definitely from the Jets side of things, uh, the brothers, uh, the William brothers on the Jets, uh, Quincy and Quentin Williams both had turnovers, man. The brothers played well today, man. Really trying to keep the Jets in it. Yeah, but after that two-minute warning, uh, that um, I think it was a third down, Jalen Hurts, went, he went back to pass, and he was looking, I think Dallas got his way. I don't think he saw uh, Tony Adams, the defender for the Jets, and he, he took an interception at the 50-yard line and returned it about, what, 30 yards? And really set up a great field position with a minute and 50 seconds left. It was a first and goal for the Jets. In the very first snap, um, it was a handoff to Brees Hall up the middle for a touchdown. The Jets took the lead, 18-14. to And the crazy thing about what I heard on the broadcast, I think from Mark Sanchez, the former quarterback for the Jets, he, he acted like the Jets had the luxury to burn clock. With their red zone office. No, motherfucker. Like, yo, they had to score at any given opportunity that they had. That If they had an opportunity to score and maybe the Eagles defense did let up, I can see that because the, the, the Eagles have an explosive offense. But, yo, you got to take every opportunity that you can get, especially with the Jets. Uh, they get the touchdown with Brees Hall, and then they get the two-point conversion with Randall Cobb. So, yeah, man, they were up six. Uh, what, what a one minute and 46 left in the uh, quarter with the Eagles getting the ball back. But the Jets made a stop on four downs with a few complete incomplete passes and with an Eagle timeout. I think uh, Whitehead for the Jets, not down the pass. They were trying to go deep on fourth down. They were able to kneel out the clock and it was a good win. I did not know the Jets never beat the Eagles in regular season. I never knew that. That, that was news to me. You know what I'm saying? As long as these two franchises have been around, what, since at least the 60s, right? For at least both of them. I thought the Jets would at least win something against the Eagles in the regular season. I know they don't play each other every year, of course, but damn. That was news to me, though. So, yeah, it was a really weird weekend for the top teams in the NFC where the 49ers fell to the Browns. And with the Eagles could have took advantage with uh, a top seed positioning. They fell to the Jets. And that's pretty much what I got for um, Azul, uh, All Football with Azul, Episode 4, Across America College, and the NFL. Uh, as far as the details, you can always get the post game of the Giants-Bills from our other episode in full context. Um, we'll be back, or I'll be back, uh, probably next week for Episode number 5 to get more college and pro football here around the country, all football with Fazul, bleed blue.